Alright, see you on the Doctor Season 2. What's going on, P? Yo, welcome home, man. Um, I'm, 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 like Appreciate I said, in our little snippet, I'm glad you're back. Uh, we can actually do this with some semblance of humanity, uh, where one of us is a dead tired because it's <laughs> it's either 2 a.m. or your your end or 2 a.m. or mine. So, um, listeners, welcome to season two. Um, when you get a chance, hit us up on the website and welcome CEO home. Yeah, man, you know, uh, six months, you've done it several times. It wasn't that bad. Nah. You know, I got through it. Uh, biggest thing is, like you said, came home safe and sound. I do got a little bumps and bruises. Got to get some stuff checked out at the dock, but nothing to alarm anyone about. Um, but enough about that. Let's talk about what we're going to do this, this year. Um, last year, we learned a lot about ourselves. Uh, we took the leap. There was some nerves at first, but we got through it. Um, and I think we grew as, as time went on. We, we stopped really worrying about, you know, all the, the stuff we really couldn't control. We had some software issues at times. Um, there were some things that we wanted to clean up, but we just couldn't. We didn't have the resources. Hopefully this year we found those resources. So that's one thing that we're going to look at. Um, one thing we're trying to grow on. Coming to coming to the audience live, that's another thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, we yeah, we realize having a website is a good thing, but, you know, everything we do has to be kind of, you know, after the fact. So yeah. if, you know, listeners wanted, had a question, they want to pose it, if they're able to watch, um, then definitely, hopefully we'll see that and we'll be able to get to it. As far as I, iTunes and, and SoundCloud, of course, that's still a thing. So, you know, we shoot this, we edit it, and then we post to our forums like always. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be an exciting season, man. Yeah, I mean, you want to add anything? So to when that? when you posed the, the the question about hey whether we should try Facebook Live, uh, my initial thought was oh crap, not even crap. Oh shit, we uh, <laughs> we, we we stepping out of the comfort zone right now. I mean, you know, we we can get real time criticism. <laughs> For real, but, they could tell us, "Hey, look, y'all, y'all fucking up right on, right exactly, on live, right?" Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, we we've gotten off to an auspicious start with this one, um, you know, and and anybody that listens, you know, we're 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 growing, and we're not shying away from that from from our ownership of the growth that we're trying to uh, to undertake. Um, you know, we're not settling for just something mediocre. We're not settling for uh, just just random as basic. Um, conversation without depth. Uh, that's the one thing that we kind of pride ourselves on, you know, um, is having some, you know, really um, engrossing conversations about things that I don't know other podcasts may not even talk about. You know, ourselves, our lives, uh, relationships, uh, the things that are important to us. So, you know, we're going to continue along that theme and add new things to it. And uh, you know, as we grow through season two, um, I'm not, and I emphasize. We grow through season two. It's not just we're going through season two. We're going to grow with every episode like we always have. Right. Um, that's for sure, man. So, you know, let's just roll right into it, man. It seems like we got a lot to talk about. And, you know, we're definitely going to try to, you know, make do and, and stick on, on these time these time hacks that we're giving ourselves, right? So not that we're going to rush it, but we definitely need to just roll into it. So again, we're back, excited to do this. Um, let's get in right right into it. So let's jump into the ticker, man. 
All right, so today is the perfect day to have this conversation because it's it's fresh today, right? right so right. you just you just shot me this information about what's going on, about how superstars feel about potentially playing with LeBron, you know. So I want to open that floor, and I, I guess we can really highlight what KD said. A lot of the superstars kind of had the same thing to yeah. say, but his was a little bit different. So go ahead, sir. Go ahead, right. Pete, open that if, one up. If anybody wants to uh, know where the article is, it's on Bleacher Report. Um, the title is "Why Doesn't Anyone Want to Play with LeBron Anymore." Uh, you know, you got to consider now he's on the on the huge stage. You know, he uh, he left small town Cleveland. He's in L.A. He's the face of the Lakers now. So, um, you know, as a basketball fan, I think you know, and we talked about this before. You know, where he could potentially move, and from um, a league standpoint, what would be the best move for him? Now, I didn't think that he would go to L.A., but I've always thought that the Lakers have to be a relevant team for the NBA to remain exciting and once Kobe kind of fell off and the Lakers as they were constructed didn't work the Lakers didn't work anymore so other teams kind of rose up and took that shine away you know it's pretty bad when the Clippers are are more of a draw than the Lakers but that being said LeBron James took the the trek to LA and now um, the question now becomes will anybody come to LA to play with him? So um, Rick Buecher wrote an article and dated today, the 5th of December. And um, it, the question was, why doesn't anybody want to play with LeBron? And, you know, they talked to KD and, you know, KD's take, the, the media made it all about it being toxic. That's the only thing they took from KD's quotes was it, it'll be a toxic environment. Um, KD's point was, you know, if you, you have somebody like himself or you have somebody like Jimmy Buckets or Paul George, um, they're going to have to sacrifice their game. You know, and if the team shines, all that shines is going to go to LeBron. If the team fails, the support cast going to get that failure. LeBron doesn't take all of the criticism. Um, and I think, you know, historically, we've got enough information to to glean from that, that there's a level of truth in there. Now, where the toxic stuff came in was how the media wants to hang on every every word and every action of LeBron James. And that's where KD was saying, yo, that's that's a toxic environment. Let us just play basketball. You know, and I I can see how he can find that toxic if your focus is to win a chip and we can agree. He went to L.A., I'm sure for his own personal and business reasons, but the expectations, they want to chip. He's still, I mean, he's still a basketball player first, so yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you can see there's there's already some things that, you know, he said in recent weeks, like he said, uh, you know, he was on the verge of being completely pissed out and, you know, or pissed off and ready to snap pretty much because they got off to a slow start. Um, there's also been some personnel changes. You know, they got Tyson Chandler in there pretty quick. Um, and there's still a gelling process. Now, by no means am I a Lakers fan. You know, I'm a Brian fan. But like I said, if he went to L.A. because I have so much, I won't use the word hate. But some distaste. I have so That's much. Some distaste. Some distaste for the <laughs> Lakers. You know, I, I just can't. I'm not pulling for them like I pulled when he was in Cleveland or Miami. You know, I just can't. Still a fan of him, but it's just not me. Right. So, Ultimately, you know, to get back on point, you know, there's already some proof in the pudding because you take when he went and played with Wade and Bosch. Now, we talked in the snippet, you know, Wade was Wade. You know, he was still yeah. who he was. But Chris Bosch has said openly, you know, my game completely changed. And he warned against, you know, 
individuals playing with him. I don't think it was like a jab taken at him, but it's he definitely highlighted when Kevin yeah. Love, yeah, when Kevin Love came to Cleveland, he definitely said, you know, I'm pretty sure Kevin Love's game is going to change. He and I are the same in some ways, and he'll see, he'll adjust. And we've seen those whole three, four years they were together. It was a constant, you know, give and take situation right. between LeBron and, and, and K Love. Um, you know, so, so for me, I honestly think, you know, we talk about this all the time. I don't have to harp on it. From day one, you know, LeBron's talent never really, in my opinion, you know, required him to have all these superstars. If they would have just built the team the right way, right. if they would have took a look at the at the 1980s Lakers, put LeBron at the one and put a whole bunch of athletes around him, I'm pretty sure at that point, you know, he would have learned to adjust. He would have learned to play. And even though he's already great assists, everything like that, he would have just had individuals around him that could form fit what he needs. He never needed Kyrie. You know, he did get a chip with him. He never needed Wade, Bosh. He needed long, athletic guys. Yeah. And he never needed a point guard underneath him. I will say that until his career is over. So ultimately, you know, this should I go out there? Should I not? I think at this point he's year sixteen, man. Like how yeah. how much longer is he really going to? And and, this, right? and, and so. he, he's a physical specimen, but I don't think he can he can last that long. And you know, in regards to your last comment, I I beg to differ. He may not have needed their games specifically, but he needed something Wade had. When he went to Miami, man. he needed something Wade had. He needed he did need Kyrie. When you think about it, Kyrie was clutch when he wasn't. Okay. You know. So, so I guess what I'm he, saying. He made now. It, now I I, it, it'll, I can go back to your 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 initial point was if they built okay. the team around him and he had the realization. Think about this. Every stop that he went on. All right. When, when every year he was in Miami, there was a new realization for him. When he went back to Cleveland, yeah. he carried that that knowledge that he learned in Miami. But there were still other things that he needed to learn. Now I, I'm assuming this. Your point was this. If they constructed the team the right way around him he would have realized those things sooner without having to i guess shop outside absolutely, absolutely. yeah yes and I, and I just think that you know like if you look at how the lakers played in the 80s it was just so free you had yeah definitely. you had a, you had a six foot nine you had a six foot nine point guard right okay with a whole bunch of lengthy athletic players around him yeah. allowing him you know, to just run and pass and shoot and get up and down the court. What I'm saying is when you when you bring someone that's a, a true point guard on the floor or just someone who who is a point guard by the nature of their 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 height and everything, so a six foot guy, that slows everything down. That turns the game into a half court game. And we know right. LeBron struggles with that because he's gonna dribble the air out of it. You know, so that's that's kind of what I'm saying. So it's kind of like like training, right. like if you like once you when you get a puppy, you train him on on how to live in the house. So eventually, you're comfortable with him being there. So I'm saying it, yeah. with LeBron and these players, I felt like if you would have trained his mind to be like, look, man, you're not in high school. You're not going to have your best friend who's five foot nine playing point guard. You're the point guard, okay? Yeah. And nobody on this court is going to be shorter than six seven because yeah. it makes no sense, you know. And and again, we can harp on that for days, but. Pretty much any superstar thinking that they should be playing LeBron at this at this point, I don't think they should put too much into it. Like I said, he's at year 16. He might push out to 20. I think he's really trying to play one year with his son. Right. You know, yeah, um, I, I, I think that, that could be cool. Kind of reminds me of like Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Sr. Yeah. Uh, when, they, when he first came into the league. So I, I can see him trying to do that for one year, max two. But at that point, I mean, come on, man. Nobody is, is truly – 
you yeah. know, altering your future. He's got so many other interests like that uh, that I don't think he's yeah. gonna stay beyond twenty. Uh, right. You know, and and we talked earlier too, and I was I was watching uh, the jump, and um, T Mac Tracy McGrady made a, an excellent point. His point was the number two guy is not the one that has to sacrifice his game. It's the number three guy that has to sacrifice his game. And when you look at it, look at how his teams were constructed. Kyrie didn't have to sacrifice his game. Kevin Love did. Go back to Miami. Bosh had to sacrifice his game. Wade didn't. You know, if he's got a good running mate, he's going to thrive. But he's never been one to have a situation like the one he's in right now where he has so much youth around him where he has to carry all that youth. Um, I've always thought that his nature has limited the growth of young players around him. Right. Now, see, this is going to be to your ultimate test. You've always said he has he truly made individuals better or has his talent just, you know, overshadowed what he was playing with so this will be to your test i would honestly say he, he's got lonzo ball who i'm not high on i'm not he's high got, on you know ball brandon ingram i think ball is all hype uh, right i mean so he, there's some pieces kcp yeah. kuzma there's some young guys that are definitely looking at him probably initially with the puppy doll look like oh my god that's lebron right i don't want to mess up <laughs> and he's looking at, at them like hey i've watched you guys play you know yeah i wanted to come out here for ventures for my venture capital and all that other stuff, but I am here to play basketball, so play your game. Because yeah. I know for a fact he he didn't just take the thirty odd million he's getting every season just to come out here and lose, right? He's going, he's trying yeah. to win, but he knows what he's up against. So you know, not to harp on that. Um, back to your original point when you said podcast before last season, has he truly ever affected anybody's game in a positive manner? I.e., taught them something. I.e., you know, helped them grow. Yeah. We will definitely see because he has babies on his yeah. team. <laughs> so well, I don't think I don't even think Ball can can legally drink yet. Is he still twenty? Uh, I, I think he's like 20, 21, 21, 22. But I mean, some okay. of those players on the Lakers are they're just bad contracts. They're just contracts that that they're waiting to clear the books. Yeah. So we really won't be able to answer that question for another season. Yeah. You know, this, this season to me, this season is a wash. This season is, is a wash. And I think anybody that thinks that um, the Lakers are, are going to contend in the West and go deep into the playoffs, I think, come on now, wake up. It ain't happening. It is not happening this season. Yeah. You know, once they get a, con- a team that's constructed the right way where he's not playing 48 minutes and he's not dominating the ball, he can actually go out there and actually teach on the fly, right. then we, we will see the Lakers grow. We're not going to watch the Lakers grow right now. We're going to watch LeBron put more miles on his shoes. That's what we're going to watch. That's true. Well, all right. So there it is. Superstars, you know, there's a bunch of them. So go check the article out. They definitely put chimed in on what they feel. Uh, we touched on it. I, I agree with, K, with KD. There is some some fanfare that goes with there. It's a whole bunch of other stuff that kind of takes away from basketball. Um, it, it has been said. I don't know if he points the finger, but it's definitely usually LeBron doesn't have enough when they lose. Right. Now, even as a fan, I would definitely say that is true because he always kind of gets that pass almost because yeah. he shows yeah. up. For the most part, you know, he might lose a game, 
But you look at his stat sheet, you're like, man, the man had 51 and 9 and 9, so damn near had a triple-double, but they lost. Is that his fault or is that the other guy? So it's kind of one of those scapegoats. Yeah. Um, but KD, you know, KD kind of said, hey, look, you know, I'm not with that. So basically what KD is telling me, I don't think he's going there. No. Nah, I'm going to just nah. that. I, that's definitely <laughs> and, and that was that was, the so take, that was the take on the jump today was like, nah, KD ain't going there. He's not yeah, going there. But, but my I mean, boy, it was a list. You really have to look at the article. Um, there's a list of players that, that chimed in on it. Um, one of these quotes that I'm looking at right now uh, was from Tyson Chandler. This was just a few days before he signed with the Lakers. He said, if you've got LeBron, you've got to make it all about LeBron. Now, Tyson Chandler is a role player. You damn well bet he's going to make it about LeBron. Yeah. That's you know, true. but if you're a superstar, he, are you willing? And it's a good question. If you're a superstar, if you're Paul George, if you are Kawhi Leonard, and we can Kyrie. agree, Kyrie, it, Kawhi Leonard is ball dominant. He makes things happen. Yeah. He's not sitting around waiting for things to happen. He makes things happen right. when he has the ball. Is, is he willing to sacrifice that? That's a question. I mean, no. I don't think that he. I, I honestly. Based on how well Toronto's playing, and you know this this may be premature, I don't think he's going to leave. If they are successful and they make a deep playoff run, make it to the finals, I mean, what are they twenty and five right now? They got the best Something record like in the league right now. He may not leave Toronto. You never know. Yeah, he's definitely showing he's something different. Yeah. We talked about that. Maybe he don't have a, the vocal leadership, but he got Kyle Lowry there too. I don't really like him. I'm not trying to get off yeah. the subject, but. He's that good. Yeah. He's that big of a difference maker on any team he goes to. So I'll get that um, to Kawhi. Definitely. Now, enough about that. Enough about that. Let's let's move forward, Pete. So let's get into Acid Doctor, man. man. So this one's a little bit <laughs> a little bit more serious right, yeah. to me because Talk to me. because we've seen this before, right? So we had the Ray Rice ordeal four years ago, and now we have the Kareem. Hunt we've situation. seen this ad okay. nauseum. We've seen this so oh. much that. At what point um, are these guys going to look at at Ray Ray Rice is Ray Rice is the cautionary tale? All right. Yeah. So, so what upsets me here? Here's what upsets me here, man. And and I hate to say this, but primarily these these cases are young black athletes, yeah. right? And and sometimes they're even older veteran athletes. We've seen you know Ray Caruth. 20-some years ago, kill a wife. We just had Brandon Browner get sentenced eight to years. eight years for attempted yeah. murder. So what I'm getting at is, you know, the, the one boy, uh, what's the name? Uh, Sam something. The one that had the big drug charge in Chicago. Oh, my God. I know uh, you're talking Sam. about, man. It broke, he, broke my heart. For, yeah, that was my players, the Cowboys. man. He out yeah, there, so, he out so there swinging the story, on the south side. <laughs> man, moral of the story is, why and how are they getting themselves into these situations? Okay. Uh, this, this, is, this is how. This this is just my take. This is uh, now. I'm gonna use you and I as, as the examples of where where they all start because we all start. We all start with nothing, okay? We all start with nothing. They got talent out the ass. All right, you and I just went into the Air Force. <laughs> all right, right, and right. like we've talked about in the past, success is relative, right? We've walked Absolutely. into our level of what we deem success, right? But you take these cats, they play high school football, they're revered for that, they're not making any money, they're still broke. Go to college, they play a couple of years, they're revered for that. Not making any money, obviously, we know that. Right. 
the college, the NCAA is making money. The schools are making money. They're still broke. You get drafted here. We're going to back up the fucking Brinks truck to you. You've already got in your mind that 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 you are um, above the fray because of your talent, right? Then you right. got all the money. That just reinforces that 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 arrogance, and you're that guy that says that shit happened to Ray Rice. It ain't gonna happen to me. Yep. Oh, it's gonna happen to you. It's going to happen to you. Somebody you told me a long, long time ago that watch what you do, especially, all right, you think of in terms of you being where you are right now and in the town that, that's around that base where you're stationed at and the town that's around the base where I'm, where I'm stationed at. Somebody told me years ago, watch what you do, watch what you say, because somebody's always watching. You never know who they are. Right? Oh, yeah, it's true. That's 100%. There's cameras everywhere. How do you... Come on now. He didn't. I'm not justifying anything. I mean, at some point you have to look at. For me, I'm staunchly protective of where I've gotten in my life, as are you. At some point, these guys have got to look at. Look, I came from this. I don't want to go back to that shit. I'm here now. I need to fight to stay here. And. Part of that is controlling your emotions, controlling the situation, de-escalating shit. Uh, it's not an affront to your ego when you de-escalate some shit so you can maintain your standard of living. And I, I think that's what they're doing. They're saying that, well, it's not me. It won't be me. I won't get caught. Ray Rice, I don't know how he got caught in that elevator, but it ain't going to be me. Somebody's always... And, and, so, and so here's the, the turn I take with the Kareem yeah. story. So... What's so unreal about this on both sides? I'm talking the club and I'm talking him. Yeah. This happened back in February. Right. Okay. Now, TMZ has a notoriety. They're going to get some breaking news, some video, some audio. They're going to find something eventually. We already know that. Right. So my, my thing was, my thing is, not was, were both parties talking to Kansas City Chiefs organization and Kareem Hunt just secretly hoping this never came out because a lot of stuff was discussed in February. Um, There was no real Polish report. He apparently told them about the situation, but maybe he lied. He fabricated some things. They said he lied. Definitely. He didn't, he didn't, yeah, he didn't put it out like this, but, but my thing is this, his talent was so great and he was so young that maybe they just looked at it as a minor mistake. As long as nobody, you know, hears it, sees it, we just gonna keep pressing. But what I think happened, okay, is that they were under pressure, right? Because a lot of these organizations are always trying to see why. Yeah. Okay. So they like no we seen what happened with Ray Rice. You know, immediately the Ravens dropped him. I don't care how good Hunt is, we can't have him on the team. That's right. a black eye. That's a PR. We look like we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we look like we're we're, we're going to support domestic abuse type stuff. Yeah. So they drop him. My, my my point, my frustration is, why not do it before it came out? It's all it's almost like oh the the dirty because they got was finally they got caught. The, world. the Chiefs got caught. The and NFL I, got caught. That's a scapegoat, in yeah. my opinion. They are they're just not as that they're at fault. They, they he, are just as culpable yeah. because instead of punishing <clears throat> him immediately, just you know it as well as I do. Uh, perception is reality. How often are we told that shit? Perception is reality. Once that situation happened, Every yo, day. we need to 
full fucking disclosure, we're going to suspend you for three, five games, whatever. All right. That way you're out in front of it. You take ownership of it. And whatever happens after that, look, we we let it all out. And this is what we did to fix it. Mm-hmm. He's been punished. He's getting counseling, whatever. However you want to sell that shit, you, right. you sell it that way. But by hiding it, yep. it makes it look worse. Everybody looks bad. Yeah. yeah and I think I, I, Wayne just said, he just commented, he thinks that the Chiefs should be fine. I think it. I think they should, too. I agree. Any I team agree. that, that knows stuff like this yeah. and doesn't do anything because they want to they, they protect the player, their investment, and they want to keep winning. Right, CEO, and it then goes, it comes out. And it they goes try to, further than that. The man. NFL knew. The NFL knew. Now oh, this yeah. is the NFL they that did. says it's that they true. can get all kind of information when they want it, but somehow, somehow they couldn't get this tape. Come on, man, for yeah. real. Yeah. The NFL yeah. knew. They put it all on. Kareem. The Chiefs knew, but the only one, and and rightfully so, the only one that suffers from this is Hunt. So, right. The Chiefs should be fine. I agree with Wayne. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, it happened, um, and, it, and it came out like it did, so immediately they, they cut ties with him. But I actually read somewhere, I can't quote the source, that, you know, they feel that it's a good, really good chance he'll be back. He'll he be will. back as soon as he'll, next He season. will. He will. Yeah. Because so, they, they're going to let this blow over, just like the NFL always does. The NFL does not give a shit yeah. about its fans, and the fans don't give a shit about what the NFL does. Um, if, if this stuff That's really, true. really matters... It only matters. All right. The NF, this is this is what we talked about in our group. The NFL does not give a shit about these guys beating women. They give a shit about these guys getting caught beating women. Yeah. That's and that's that's sad. That's totally true, but it's terrible that that is that is the yeah. truth because they this don't is proof you know, of they're it. not getting in front this of right this stuff. This right here is proof of. They're it. not getting in front of this stuff. This should happen yeah, that, before the season started and they didn't suspend him. The NFL knew about it. The Chiefs right. knew about it. Nobody did anything about right. it. What are we, 10 games in? Yeah. But, again, now these are grown men. They have to make smarter, wiser decisions. They got to put the right people right. around them. Earlier, yeah. my sister said, you know, uh, Ashley, she said that they can't they can't leave the hood. They can't separate themselves from where they came, just kind of like yeah. what we are talking about. But it's not that you turn your back on where you're from. But you got to understand, like you said, you, once you move Pass something and you're now higher than where you started. Don't always look back. You can't bring the entire yeah. hood with but you. It's, it's, and they they surround them themselves with these individuals that are not good for them. It's the speed and, in which uh, they get it. It's the speed in which they yeah, get everything. It's, it's immediate. It's immediate. You and I yeah, and absolutely. people like us have had. To, I know I had to work over a fifteen to twenty year period to get to this point. So my reality grew slowly. Right. These guys, absolutely. their realities don't grow. They don't have the time for it to grow and realize no. that shit back there is a detriment to the life that I have right now until shit like yeah. this shows up. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. So it hopefully is. Kareem, Kareem can bounce back. Um, he can resume his playing career. He can make amends to the, the woman that he, that he hurt. No, she didn't even file um, a report. She didn't even press charges. Nothing. They didn't even. Now, they couldn't even talk there's... to her. The cops. She, did, she never made contact with the cops. I'm not justifying anything that he did. Please do not misunderstand right. that. Right. She didn't make contact with the cops. The cops didn't interview her. They and no one's been right. able to get in touch with this girl. And and that I mean, 
maybe so I, I read too that there was other little things about Kareem. There was a fight that he got yeah, into man. somewhere. Broke something. I don't know what he surrounded himself around, but but maybe she felt pressured. Maybe his entourage threatened her. I don't know. I'm not making excuses. Maybe there's more to the story. Is all I'm saying. So you know, and my I just hope that he can he can he can make amends and resume his playing career. People do deserve second chances. You know, Ray Rice never got yeah. his. But he he did become that that spokesman. <laughs> He's the spokesman and the cautionary tale. Yeah, him, him and his wife have you know <sighs> apparently you know fixed Ooh, things. That's a hell of a woman, I mean, that's, dog. That's, that's, that is a hell of a woman, right. boy. That's, I mean, it wasn't like it's he tough to see. It's anyway. beyond me. Yeah, man. He, he yeah. didn't slap her. It's beyond me. He punched her like a dude I mean, on the street. Damn. He hit her with that Deontay Wilder, that that fury punch. Um, so you know that that's just that. So all these young black athletes, I, I really wish they can just. You know, pick themselves up, um, realize that these things will always haunt them if they allow them to, if they allow, if they allow them to do that, to move past what they know. That's the biggest thing. Like you're, you're putting yourself in a brand new position, right? You're, you're, you're in a new city because you're playing for this team. Um, You have talent that are throwing money at you. There's endorsements. There's all this other stuff. But you can't seem to forget about, you know, who you are at heart. You know, you're, you're whatever a thug at heart you're whatever you are at heart yeah. let that shit go man definitely enjoy your life definitely move beyond definitely it. i mean if um, i always look at it i used to always say man if i could do this shit for 50 g's the motherfuckers can do it for a few million <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real that's truth man you know come on so it, staying with it, it's that slow progression and you know i this was a this is a good topic based on what what we're gonna dive into in a few minutes you know, we're talking about the past. Okay. Now, before we move on for the Ask the Doctor, just real quick, my last thing. I know we have, we've been very passionate about anything Colin Kaepernick, and we've almost done it to nauseam. But this has to come up. Yeah. I'm so sick of being tired of being sick and tired of people stating when a quarterback has an opportunity, right, to get hired because of injury, because of the starters just not playing well, whatever. All these teams, you see my quotations, yeah. are considering Kaepernick. But no one ever gives him a job. I'm so sick and tired of him. This man has played in the Super Bowl. He's played in the Super Bowl. Because, and Nathan right. Peterman had a job for half the fucking season, averaging six interceptions a game. Man, look, at, at this point, honestly, I think they almost just have to say that just to get ahead of the comments of you know the reporter that asked, did you hire or did you did you consider having Colin come in um, to the system? Whatever. I, I think that they get you know asked at their press releases all the time. So I think this just now a statement. Hey, make sure you tell yeah. them we thought about Kaepernick, but we're not going that direction. So here's the thing, DC, right? All right. So we already know who lives in DC. We already know who has the biggest problem with Kaepernick taking a knee. How crazy would it have been had they actually brought him in? <laughs> And he'd been playing maybe Sunday because they have nobody yeah, at this man. point. Maybe maybe playing Sunday. And the biggest, I guess, person against him is now able to witness him at arm's length. I don't think that's a good PR move for, for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> so with that said, they quickly moved past right. that because maybe they just felt that they would feel a lot of pressure uh, from someone, and I think that this this situation here is indicative of 
um, a team's desire to win. All right, you can't tell me that uh, Buffalo felt like Nathan Peterman was a better option than even bringing Kaepernick in. You can't tell me Mark Sanchez right. is a better option than, or, or even Colt McCoy is a better option than a guy that went to the Super Bowl uh, and, and, and played. You know, and, and you're talking about, you know, like we talked about RPOs. They run run pass options. Kaepernick, you can't find anybody better to do that. At least to me. They had they had the nerve they had the nerve to say he, he wasn't a, a good fit for the system. When you just like you just said, he is RPO yeah. before RPO yeah. was RPO. He was RPO and before RPO in, was a thing. Right. They bring in Josh Johnson who was another athletic kid, whatever, he ain't played football in three seasons. Now, Kaepernick technically hasn't played in about the same time. Yeah. But we're talking about a quarterback that's already established, like you said, big time playoffs and Super Bowl versus a kid that relatively didn't even have a career. And he's the better option. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. Sticking with this because we're making these comparisons, then why why take a chance on Reuben Foster? Who's right. He's to the Kareem Hunt point. He's had <laughs> yeah. some domestic issues yeah. multiple times. Sign him. Now, he's got to serve all these suspensions and all this other stuff. But put him on the roster, okay? But they will say yeah. this. He gives us a better chance to win. Ruben uh, Foster? And look, that, that's no. the fucking going line every time they sign some dude of questionable character. Greg Hardy. Come on, Greg Hardy. How many chances did Greg Hardy get before the NFL let his ass go? What what did Jerry oh, Jones yeah. say? Oh, it gives us a great chance to win. <laughs> My boy Wade, he coming right now. He is a Skins fan. He got the he got the crying tears because he's like, you know, they disappointed him. They could have beat Dallas. You know, Kaepernick is a great fit for the squad, but of course they didn't pull the trigger. And and that's just that shit is sad, man. Because we'll be saying this until Cap Cal, or to Colin actually say, you know what, I'm done with football. I'm not even trying anymore. And then at that point. You know, it'll, it'll probably die down. But this is pathetic how, like, every these Mark organizations, Sanchez like you said, signing, they don't even care. DJ they Maggle don't even care. Signing, every fucking Colt McCoy signing is an indication that For the NFL what? has conspired to keep this man out of work. Absolutely. And you and you could be you could be in hot water if you hire him, man. So, again, sick and tired of being sick and tired of hearing why someone didn't bring Kaepernick in, but they considered him. You, yeah. There's enough tape. There's enough, you know, understanding of his position. It, all that stuff is out there. So don't even say it. it's like a slap in the face, right? So my point is, if you know you're not going to do it, then why speak right. about it? Right? Exactly. So exactly. There's no point. Yeah, so exactly. So when that question comes up in media, when the media asks that, just be like, wasn't you know even what? a thought. He wasn't someone we considered. Yeah. He Boom, wasn't. He wasn't on. even Next a thought. We, we we're not even going to go there. Right. I just want somebody yeah, to actually so. say, you know what? We don't want the backlash of him taking a knee, but we'll sign this motherfucker to beat the shit out of his wife. Yeah, which makes no sense to me. So, again, it's unfortunate because Kaepernick is using, losing some quality years in his career. Yeah. We all hope and pray that he gets that second chance. You know, other things are happening that are bigger than football for him, so that's but super know, positive. But Honestly, I think it, it, mm-hmm. this is best case for him because it further justify it further speaks to them colluding every job yeah. that he does not yeah. get that some shitty motherfucker gets it further speaks to yeah. him colluding when you stand in a court of law and say well this is his resume right here he's a <laughs> playing quarterback 
Yet you kept Nate Peterman for for two for a season and a half, and he threw fucking eighteen interceptions in eighteen games. <laughs> okay, oh, Washington signed King butt fumble. Yeah. When you could have signed Kaepernick. Okay, there's 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 two cases yeah. right there. You can go to every team that's needed a quarterback. Put them resumes right next to each other. Not many of them can actually so, say that. For, for Washington to say, well, you know, he doesn't fit into our system. Shut up. Shut up. Yes. That was that was <laughs> definitely the wrong that was the wrong the way to sum it the 49ers. up. Don't even Yeah, you tried to do it with, with Alex yeah. Smith. Okay. He got injured. Then you brought in Colt McCoy, who tried to do it because he did it a little bit in college got- thousand years ago. Both of them broken legs. Maybe that is a good place for for him not to go because everybody breaking yeah. legs out of there. So Colt McCoy broke his tibia too. So Wayne, maybe it's better that he don't go there because we don't want Colin to be uh, broken. Cap, Cap, like <laughs> fuck that. I'm glad they didn't call. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because you think about it. So if again, he gets a call, if he gets a call from anyone, he can't. He can't possibly say no. Right. If you're great, if no one wants tired. to hire you and you suddenly get a phone call and you say no, he can't say no. So it's great that they're like, nah, man, we can't make that phone call. Let's just get this dude off. He's 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 been run, driving a garbage truck for the last five years. Let's get him. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, like, like you know, a comment just came in. A lot of people are saying that he's been out too long, you know what I mean, and maybe that's why they didn't want to hire him, but again, that doesn't even hold merit, because you look at jo- Josh Johnson, three yeah. years, you know, so, whatever, DJ man. Manuel hasn't taken yeah. a snap in a decade, yeah, man, terrible, but, terrible situation, yeah. so, but it, I mean, I'm, okay, I'm glad he's not taking these phone, I'm glad he's not getting the phone calls, it's going to further right. justify his case in court, he's going to get that loot from the NFL, and he's going to be in great health, live your life, dude, do you? Yeah. So that's true. That's true um, this is a, a, a you know, it, it like I said, it's a good segue to our main discussion. Um, you know, you got home and you did your travels. You went home. You saw some folks back in Indy. Um, and a week and a half ago, man, I had a visit from my sister and a blast from the past. So you. <laughs> You you went home and, and saw a lot of things that um, were kind of, uh, I, I guess, validating. You know, we talked about you know, how much. the past can validate, how the past has validated our, our, our current lives. Uh, you know, my past came and visited me with my sister. So, you know, uh, Everybody on here, everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, everybody's on Facebook Live. I want you to go back in time to that high school sweetheart of yours. The one that set you on your path, whether it was a path of destruction or a path of self-actualization, um, that we all got one that 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 broke our heart. So I was told um, at age 19, 1987, that. I want to see other people. And I'm, dude, I'm like, hey, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to see nobody else. No, I have been, I have been seeing somebody else. So my, my, my 19-year-old soul was crushed. And it started <laughs> me on my path of destruction and self-actualization. And um, 
that individual came and visited me with my sister. And uh, my life is all right. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, okay. You know, just there, there were a few situations that kind of, kind of validated the whole thing. And, uh, you know, they asked me for a hug and I gave him a hug and they didn't want to let go. And I'm like, yo, you know, finally got to let go. Oh my God. So I, you know, I hear all the different comments about, you know, how life would have been different. And, you know, she's telling my sister, oh, that should have been me. It should have been me. It should have been me. You know, um, look, we, we all make decisions. Decisions happen in our lives. I, I told her, actually, I told her thank you, you know, because I can say unequivocally that if that didn't happen that day when I was 19, I don't know that I would be here. I don't know that I would be this person. I don't know that I would have realized this life that I have. Um, so, you know, to some extent, while it was validating, um, I know that being told that Hey, I don't want to see you no more. And, you know, my my 19 year old naive heart being broken, I would have never realized the life that I have now. So it was like I said, it was very, very validating. Um, you know, I, I know that's petty. You know, it's petty as fuck to look back and be like, yeah, I'm glad you got yours. I'm glad your life is fucked up the way that it is. And mine is. Look, I'm being real. What are we if nothing else? We oh, are always man. real. I'm not saying that that's right yeah. by any stretch. I'm not saying it's right, right by any stretch. But I can't tell you that it felt bad. I cannot say that it felt bad. It did not feel bad. It felt good. And that's just, I think, that that human element in all of us. You know, anybody that's ever had an interaction with the one that crushed their soul, the first one to crush their soul... And you realize where they are in life is not on on par with where you are. Ask yourself how that shit felt. You didn't you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have a sad look on your face. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that you did not have a sad look on your face. Uh, okay, so looking back, looking back a little bit. Um, not that I'm taking that route. I haven't seen the one that's crushed me and. God knows how long. So I, I can't I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is the it's a thought. Right. It's, a, it's a realization that I see um, more often than not by the neighborhood that raised me. So um, a lot, what a lot of people don't know about me is some some friends of mine. I won't use the word friend now, but some some people that I knew back in the day who I thought were friends, who I felt like were brothers. Uh, my mom had told me, you know, always be careful People look at us differently because we're in the neighborhood, but you have both me and your father. You work for the things you get so you can have nice shoes. Maybe they don't understand that, so on and so forth. Right. More or less story is uh, they robbed me blind, pretty much. Um, it's while I was in college. I was playing basketball. I was going away um, on a little mini road trip with my basketball team. Came back, house completely ransacked. All my stuff is gone, wow. right? Now, I have not ever truly seen any of the guys who I suspect done this to me, yeah. right? But I've heard stories via other people that have told me about, you know, how life, you know, has basically went for them since way back when. And it's not that I've, you know, always, you know, looked at that and kind of smiled because I'm I'm doing better, but it's, it's more like when you do things to somebody, especially when you hurt somebody that's close, like that, that really 
bothered me. That really yeah, hurt yeah. me because these were like brothers, man. Um, that's karma's going to come back. No on doubt. Me, right. No so, doubt. Um, you know, that, and there's been times when I've been in my old neighborhood and, you know, I've seen people that I've grown up with and I, and I know I know them, right. but it's, these are not the individuals I'm talking about. And I see that they're still there. Right. They're still yeah. like their everyday life, 20 some odd years yeah. later, it's still there. Yeah. And that amazes me because I'm sitting here like, how in the hell, you know, have you not ventured past the walls of this neighborhood and the outskirts and limits of the city? Yeah. Like I've traveled the world, yes. you know, I've done crazy things. Like I met President Bush uh because I won an award in the Air Force, I've flown in the F-16. It's not to sit here and say, look at me and look at you, but it's just like a, this, a boy that was raised right with you right. decided to do something different it's with his life. It's the same decision making. Look it, what is happening. It, it, it's the yeah. possibilities. You had the same as they did. You chose a different path. Right. And and I left home in, in 1987, man. And whenever I've gone back, it's literally like going back in a time warp. Everything that you're describing is the same thing. And I, I think... You know, when we come from um, less than desirable situations. Now, we don't realize how, at least for me, I'll speak for me. I didn't realize um, how shitty it was until I left, you know, until I started building my own life. Yeah, that's true. You know, I felt like everybody lived the way that I lived. Everybody was getting fucking government cheese and shit like that. Everybody had food stamps. Everybody struggled. I thought that way until I left. And then the whole world opened up to me and, you know, everything that you describe it, man. Um, and to go back, it was like, wow, why? That's the question. And I still ask that question. Why? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and man, I, I don't know, you know, so as I go back and like I said, I was just home and I had to go through my old neighborhood. Um, you know, I stayed a couple nights in my mom's old place and I just realized what's funny is I just realized that somebody who believed, you know, that they could never see anything other than what I grew up with. I realized just how much I had accomplished. Now, again, I might not have the largest bank account. I might not have the, the, the biggest it's relative, house. Man. It's all relative. But, all relative. Right. But I, I've created, you know, a life. You've created a life you know, beyond I have a life what you knew. Beyond what I knew. And it was humbling um, because I was like, you know, when you hear all these success stories of NBA players or rap stars or whatever, and, you know, especially in a rap song, they'll say, you know, I made it, right? right? But usually when they're highlighting I made it, you know, they're talking big right. stuff, money, cars, fame. I kind of just sat on my mom's couch and was like, I made it out of a life that had pretty much a couple destinations. Jail death or jail and death yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? and when i say that it's me like i'm in i'm in jail and i die because yeah. you know whatever i just get killed on the block but basically nobody gave any of those individuals a chance from where we from yeah nobody gave us a chance yeah. and i have some some friends that are doing wonderful things from that uh, my friend ray ray he don't like to be called andre that's right. his real name my friend ray ray got his own business married kids got a son that plays football and he's he's awesome you know i got my friend monica she moved away um my friend april my my brother my little brother he's like a brother because he looked up to me so much quincy um my sister she's doing great you know got three degrees things like that there was a small group of yeah. us 
they didn't allow that community to define this. Oh, I can't forget Latrice, uh, the one that makes our shirts, yeah. um, Modern Influence. She made it out of there. Um, a small group of people, uh, we, we made it out of there. And it's humbling because, like you said, nobody gave us a chance. We went to school like everybody else, but I feel like there was always like this, this, this eye focus on us. Like, oh, those are the kids from Amberwoods. Yeah, you can expect them to drop out. Um, yeah, get kicked out and, and whatever. But a, a few of us actually made it out of there. So it was just humbling sitting in the couch, sitting on the couch, thinking just about it all in. Damn, just taking yeah. it all in. Like, yeah, like, I'm not, a, I'm not famous. I'm not a superstar. I'm not this, that, or the other. But I made See, it out of this. And and the message, and, you know, I, and my kids. Don't I, have to I know, know I started off with, with some pretty stuff. salty stuff, man. But you know, ultimately, um, you know, what, what what we're the point we're trying to get across to everybody is. Um, you don't have to be, you know, rap star. You don't have to be an NBA player, football star, anything like that to reach some level of success. Success is how you define it. Uh, and I, I I, didn't want to be stuck on the south side of Chicago, man. You know, um, the, the realities, like you said, either, you know, I'm dead or I'm in jail or I'm selling drugs and wind up dead or in jail. You know, those were the possibilities. Now, I, too, have, have you know, some friends, uh, Lucky, Ledrick Williams, uh, can't call him by his first name. Lucky, he's doing his thing, married, uh, great family. Uh, Tony, Tony has his own business. He's an investment guy. Uh, he's doing great things, too, man. We all keep in touch. Uh, you know, I, I talked to I talked to you guys in, in our group about uh, about Frank, man, Frank. And I both enlisted at the same time. He went to the Marines. I went to the Air Force. And his life was never the same. You know, he got kicked out of the Air Force, out of the, the Marine Corps. But we were all from the same neighborhood. We all hung out hard. We were all together all the time. And it's just um, how our ability to choose and make, try to make good decisions. Not not every decision that I made growing up was a good one. You know, we got to we got to fail in order for us to get back up and realize, okay, take the next step forward. Uh, you know, Frank passed away, you know, uh, he was an alcoholic and, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, what happened to him, he, he, he died from complications with his alcoholism. Um, he struggled after he got kicked out, you know, and it's a sad situation because, we all there's not a single person that grows up in those kinds of environments that does not want better. We can we right. can both attest to that. Sure. It's not one person that says, you know what? Fuck it. This is my life. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to live wherever this shit takes me. This is what I'm going to do. None of us wanted yeah. that shit. We all chose different path, paths and made different decisions. Some people just are, are, are more afraid to take that leap of faith and realize who they can become. Than other people are, um, you know, I used to talk to to uh, my late wife about that taking that leap. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I left to go to the Air Force any more than you did, you know, any more than she did. Uh, but I just yeah. knew I had to get the hell out of out of Chicago. And yeah. ultimately, it all paid off. It all worked out for me. But it wasn't a clear path. Uh, there's still still constant decisions that had to be made. And it's just about you trying to better your life on a day in and day out basis and not settling for anything, man. You know, and it, it's life affirming when you go back home and you see that uh, what 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 would have been your fate if you hadn't made those decisions that you made. And it's not about 
the amount of money, like you said, or, the, you know, how big your house is, the amount of cars you got, anything like that. Man, it's, it, it's never based on that. You know, we talk about what success means to the person. If you let someone outside define what success means for you, you will never attain that success. It's fleeting. All right. But if you determine your level of success, where you satisfied or what it takes for you to realize, OK, I've made it to a point in my life. I'm happy here. I'm, yeah. I'm well beyond where I started. That's when you realize yeah. your level of success. Man, it goes back to our to our seasons of change, man. And, you know, not to bring that back up, but honestly, I had a moment that linked to that season while I was sitting on the couch because I understood all of the time had passed for me to potentially be an NBA superstar. That was gone, yeah. right? You know, I, I never had the talent to be a rapper. All this, so all the things that that usually gets the black kid out of the neighborhood, you know, sports and rap and whatever like that, all that stuff was beyond yeah. me. It passed me. But I could sit there and say, you know what? I graduated high school. I graduated college. Uh, okay. I was able to, you know, be a, have a success in a career, four years from retirement in a career. I'm about to start something new. And, and my kids, the biggest part is my kids didn't have to endure what I had exactly. to endure. Meaning That's it. they didn't have to grow up right. and, and what I knew to be life. And what's crazy is, you know, we look back at that time and we actually felt that we were pretty safe. Yeah. Meaning because you lived there, yeah, stuff happened. Drugs were around, you know, shootings happened. But the times just made it feel different. Like you didn't feel like going outside was a hazard. That was your reality. Now, if I lived, yeah. <laughs> right, if I lived in that neighborhood and my son Ace was like, look, I'm going to the court and go play basketball. I'm like, nah, we're probably going to get you a membership to the YMCA yeah. and you can go play. But I can't tell you how many zillion times I left the house with a basketball yep. at, you know, 10 a.m. Yeah. in the summertime and then come back to 8 o'clock exactly. at night as the lights but, were But that, that was, that was, was cool. I, I think that was more, um, a lot less a product of the time and more of it's what we knew. It's what we yeah. knew. It, it wasn't like, you know, it, what was our point of comparison? There was no point of comparison. It was like, <laughs> shit, there was this not. is the life I got. There was not. Every, I, I swear to God, man, I thought everybody lived that way. I thought everybody right. fucking lived the way that I lived. So, that so here's a question from the audience. Mm -hmm. So the question for the audience was, was it hard for you to turn off where you were from when you joined the Air Force? Um, and then how, how long did it take you to, to make things click where you had to truly understand, like, I'm not in South Side of Chicago no more. I'm wherever I am. Wow. How long did it that, take that, for that's, you? That's a damn good question. Um, I, I think I've always been pretty observant. And, you know, I, I think one of the best things that any of us can do is people watch. Um, and I watch the world around me. And how I could interact in it, how it affected me. Um, and when I, I think for me, when I, I started to feel safe and comfortable, that's when I started to realize, whoa, I don't ever want to go back to that shit, you know, where I'm fearful gotcha. of when I realized how dangerous it was to go back um, when I wasn't wondering about where the next meal was going to come from when I wasn't buying fucking candy with food stamps, um, when I wasn't right. slicing a, a piece of cheese off a block that's like a foot fucking long. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's those little small things. You know, once, once I got a taste of my own life and the possibilities, 
that's when I got comfortable. That's when I, I started to thrive for more. I wanted more for myself. Um, and when you know, I got married and when we had kids, kids will do it. Kids will change your yeah. life forever. That's kids true. will change your decision making because every, anything, any bad decision that you make is going to affect them. And having grown up with parents that made poor decisions um, and how, knowing how I resented them, I, didn't, I never wanted right. my kids to resent me. You know, so I, I came in, you know, with a kid on board, like, you know, she was in the process of <laughs> growing in her mom's <laughs> stomach. You know, so I was I was young, unknowing of how to be a parent, unknowing yeah. of how to be a then soon husband. Um, so I had a whole bunch of pent up frustration. A lot, lot of the reason, because when I originally made the, the decision to join the Air Force, neither one of them were in my plans Meaning, I was I had the girlfriend, <clears throat> which is my ex-wife, but I didn't plan on marrying her right. at that point. We definitely didn't plan on having yeah. kids. We were still young. We were both in college. I just decided to leave college and, and move forward. So I was super, super, super stressed and, and not really knowing what then was lying ahead of me because I had joined with a buddy of mine, Chuck. And Chuck didn't have these things. Chuck was single. He was able to do what he was what he was right. going to do. You know, if if he would have went overseas, he wouldn't have had no problems doing that. So I was feeling some pressures from that. So ultimately, I came out with like a little chip on my shoulder, but not because somebody told me I couldn't do something. It was more like, you know, I don't know who, what I am or what I'm about to become. So I'm just mad at everybody. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I struggled a little bit. Um, and then I was older too, so you know a lot of people joined at seventeen. I was nineteen. I was nineteen. Definitely eighteen. I was nineteen. Eighteen, yeah. nineteen. I was days away from turning twenty-one. Actually, I turned twenty-one in basic training. So it was a weird situation because my supervisor, he and I were the same age. I think I actually was older than him by a few days. So he would try to talk to me like he needed to talk to me in a super supervisory role being that he had already been in the military four years and I was brand new, but I would always look at the age. Yeah. Like, look, man, you speaking to a 21-year-old. Right. Don't be telling me Don't be telling me about don't go drinking and driving. Don't be telling me, you know, all this other basic stuff that I'm like, I've been a full-functioning adult for years now. Like, I don't need nobody to tell me that. So I just struggled with that a little bit, but then I understood what I always had, which is adaptability, right? right? So <clears throat> with that said, you know, my grandfather, my father always raised me, if you're going to do something, do your damn right. best. So I was like, look, you know, how can I achieve in this? Because ultimately I'm doing four years yeah. and then I'm the hell out of here. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, we all know how that goes. Four years is now almost 16. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't multiply that by four because I'm still going. But my point was I learned how I can succeed. Um, I really didn't know how to look for a mentor. Therefore, I didn't have one until I met you. So at that point, it's like year eight, year nine. But it did take me some time to adapt because I felt that I had already had so much life experience. And you know how the Air Force is. Everybody in the Air Force initially treats you like a yeah. child. Oh, who's the new kid? Yeah. Who's the new airman? Like, nah, I'm a person. I hated that. So I didn't yeah. like one, one story real quick that pissed me off. I just told a story too. It's crazy. <clears throat> so my first job was maintenance, right? So in the maintenance career field, my job, I worked in a crew, three of us. So... It was funny because, uh, you know, one day I'm sitting in the break room and my expediter, who is pretty much the shift leader, comes down and he's like, where's your daddy at? <laughs> right? I was like, my daddy? I was like, what do you mean where my daddy is? So I, I take this super offensive, right? I'm like pissed. I'm like, I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, 
you know, where's your supervisor at? And I was like, oh, all due respect, sir, don't ever say that to me again. I only got one father, and my father's in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I just didn't understand the lingo. You know, that's how they kind of talked. It was, it was real free, uh, real loose on the flight line. But I took that as disrespect, heavy disrespect. Where's my daddy at? Like, what the <laughs> hell kind of world is this? We don't, we don't play like right. that. And, um, you know, they had to, my supervisor then had to talk to me. Yo, you know, my father kind of should have told you how we speak around here. Please don't take any offense to that. But I was, man, look, I was ready to, to jump at this yeah. guy for saying something. I thought he was just being funny. Like, okay, I'm the new guy. Y'all trying to, like, green beam me, pick on me. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, I thought he was, honestly, I thought he was referring to, <clears throat> like, I was supposed to say something when he said that. Meaning, like, I said, where's your daddy? And I was supposed to say you or something. I don't know what I, right. I thought. But I took it the wrong yeah. way, and I was fucking fire hot. So it was just me understanding that I was in a whole new world and then there was real rules Definitely. now. Like somebody was going to tell me when I had to do something. Because, you know, growing up, you could quit a job. Easy. I can't tell you how many times I was <laughs> I sat in the cafe. Am I going to quit today? Nah, let me go. I want to get them Jordans. Let me go fucking flip this burger. Uh, I know I quit every fast out, food restaurant downtown Chicago. <laughs> every one of them. All of them. Yeah, you can't, can't quit the Air Force. Ain't no quitting the Air Force. So. Hell no. Mm-mm. I learned that the hard way, but uh, yeah, you know, I struggled with that for a little bit, um, but but it, it eventually clicked, and then again, you know, not to run off accolades, but you know, I made BTZ, yeah. and I, ma- I made staff early, made tech early, it took me a while to make masters, I'm still but a knucklehead. I mean, I <laughs> years, master so, so it's all good. I stayed a knucklehead for a little while, so, um, and it, it's it's not, I, th- I think the, the biggest part, the biggest adjustment is um, your arrogance. You know, you 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 learn how to survive coming from where we come from. And you don't just turn off those survival instincts. Anytime that you perceive a threat, you're going to go face that threat head, you know, head on. Um, You address these things. Somebody says something out of the way to you. I mean, I would snap off in a second. And um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a young I guess I'm a young staff sergeant, man. And I'm sitting in a meeting with the first sergeant, we had two chiefs when I was in, in, in California and the commander. And they're having a discussion whether or not they're going to kick my ass out or not. So oh, um, one chief, you know, I, I, I didn't I hated this dude, man. I, I could not stand this man. I'm not going to mention names, none like this. And we're talking easily 20 plus years ago. And um uh, he said something about, you know, you're the, you're the worst staff sergeant we have here and all this other shit. And, uh, you know, I, I thanked the shirt. I thanked the other chief. And I looked at that chief. I said, I don't give a damn what you think about me. All right. You, you can think what the fuck you want. Um, I'm going to be who I am. You know, and right. they dismissed me from the room. Ultimately, the shirt and the other chief defended me and, and that's how I stayed in. I mean, I almost got kicked out. Uh, and the reality that I came to at that point was, um, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, not needing it. You don't want to yeah. need it because then <clears throat> you can't, you, can't, you <clears throat> lose to me, you lose a portion of who you are, that realness that makes you the person that you are. Um, if you need that shit, you have to succumb to all of the bullshit, you know, and we can attest that there's some bullshit involved with, with any job, not just the air force, any job. Um, 
Right. So that's when I, I went on that quest to get get educated. You know, once I, I got my yeah. bachelor's, I was like, yo, I don't need this shit. I got options. What you got options? Man, I was sitting meetings. I would say whatever needed to be said. I would call stupid, stupid. I would say it, you know, unfiltered. This yeah. is the problem. Here's yeah. why, you know, and I, le- I learned that from you. That for just sure. kind of I do that carried now. over for the years. So <laughs> in regards to how long it took me to adjust, um, I would say it took probably the first four years for me to realize I never wanted to go back and live the way that I live. But it took another six, seven years easily for me to realize how to make the Air Force what I needed it to be. Because the reality is this. Any job that you do, they're going to get what they want out of you. But the question you got to oh, ask yeah. yourself is what are you going to take from it? Yep. And, that, and that's the one thing. <clears throat> that's the foundation of what, I be, what I'm now teaching my troops and how I talk to my NCOs. Because one day this ends. Whether Man. you do 30 years, yeah. 20 years, 4, 6, whatever. When your number is is done being punched, literally, like you told us, it goes into a drawer and the next one comes up. So you better make sure you got, you know, everything that you wanted from this if you're going to give any type of time to this. You know, so it's a it's a it's a give give. Um, So um, you give something, they should give you something, you know, so don't let them just take everything from, you know, I always say and, and it's a joking, but me and my wife laugh about this, too. It's like. It's like, uh, how, how do you sit here and think about <laughs> what the Air Force has done to you and not be upset? Like, <laughs> your hair's receding, you're balding, you know, you're gray, you're definitely showing signs of age. And a lot of these guys are young, like especially on the flight yeah. line. There was dudes that was my age back in the day, 24, 25 years old. And I promise you, if you didn't know them, uh, you didn't hear them speak, and you just be like, damn, that dude looked like he's about 37, 38 yeah hard life you know but what did you get out of that you know if you if you didn't get your education if you didn't build some type of initial wealth if you didn't set yourself up with buying a house or doing those things that's going to help you on the outside then all they did was take years from you because now you know they're actually giving you a little benefit of the doubt you know they changed the way retirement works now right. so everybody joining after 2018 yeah. you're going to have like a little pension that you build and when you get out you'll take something with you but prior to that if you didn't make it to retirement you got that nothing. was it they give you yeah they give you six months of you know benefits and then boom figure life yeah. out hey come come shop so tax I remember free. that but you got you done after six yeah. months and Absolutely. You know, it, it's a it's a harsh reality when you find this stuff out late. Um, you know, I, I still see people that that I serve with now, man. And, you know, it's they always get this question. So what are you doing now? What are you doing now? You know, what my answer is absolutely nothing. <laughs> you are my hero and, in that and, sense. And I honestly, you, man, you are the um, I don't I, I think after when you give that much of your life to something, you should have to work. And, and there, there, there has to be some ownership on the individual. You have to take from this what you want. You got to figure out how to exploit whatever job you are doing, be it Air Force, be it IBM. I don't care for Circle K. How can you maximize what you are doing so that it benefits you in the long run? That's a question that you got to ask yourself every single day because right. – the reality is when you go in to punch that clock, they got you. They're going to get what they want out of you. They do. That's the reality. That's true. 
So let's let's field one more question, Pete, and then we'll wrap yep. up with last but not okay. least. That the last question is, um, it, they're asking us: Are we able to to empathize or sympathize for troops and coworkers who do not come up the way we did, and maybe see their search, see their situations through a through see it as a serious one? So what I, what I'm getting at is, there's a lot of crying in the Air Force, yeah. right? A lot of a lot of a lot of unnecessary. Uh, overreactions of things and you know some individuals it's not me but some individuals can look at that shit like come on man you don't really got an issue so step on with that yeah. you know but a lot of people want to be heard this is a me me right. society now this is the me generation um and, and and he's saying that he has a he has trouble um not being able to to do either one of those empathize or sympathize and it's been a struggle um because he downplays it yeah. like you know and being being that you were my mentor, um, we we kind of understood each other because we were older. Like when I met you, I was older. Right. But I but one thing I can absolutely say, I remember when we got a certain individual, a young guy, uh, I won't say his name, but he was afraid to death of you. <laughs> remember, you know who yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Start with an O. Yeah, yeah he was fr- afraid. Of, to death of you probably for a lot of reasons but uh he just maybe he felt that he couldn't come to you because you was just too raw and i think that's where this question is coming from like you know being that he may be too coarse at right. times uh he's not able to to relate um just because he's from he's different he didn't he didn't have a shoulder to cry on right. so to speak you know um, growing up so so how do you so deal with situations from like from that? from my standpoint you know why i'm i'm why I started out that way. All right, I start out where I want you to understand where I'm coming from, first and foremost. All right, I don't know you. We don't have a relationship. These are my expectations, period. And these expectations align with what the office requires, what the Air Force requires, what the, the med group, whatever. Whatever unit you're working in, they all have requirements. These requirements have to be met. Right. I'm not going to waver from that. I'm not going to give you license to feel so comfortable that you're going to overlook that stuff. All right. Because then you're affecting my shit. You're affecting the climate in my office. You're affecting the climate of my flight or my work group or whatever you want to call it. Um, But you have to have some level of compassion. You can call it fake compassion, whatever you want to call it, man, because everybody has a story. We all got a story. All right. Because I came from the south side of Chicago, I can't look at the next person and say they came from the south side of Chicago. I can't look at them and say, well, you know what, um, he appears to be well to do, or it's obvious that he comes from a good background, his family has money. I don't know what the inner workings of that relationship were with his parents. So I can't say, or or the life that he lived before he came in, I can't say that, well, you know what, he doesn't deserve any empathy or sympathy about certain things. Now. If they're just, excuse my French, bitching and moaning, then you call them out on the bitching and moaning. Some shit just has to get done. You know, right. some questions That's don't true. don't. There's there's some questions that don't necessarily need to be asked, and I think with this generation, they feel empowered that they can ask any and every question. I'm not saying entertain them. I just tell them, look, that's not yours to ask. Don't. Yeah, what? it's above yeah. our pay grade. You know, I, I got this, uh, and and you know it goes right. back to what I would always tell you guys. I can get anybody to run a program. 
I need you to take care of these kids. Um, I'm the one that's going to take the heat. I'll take the punch in the gut. I'll protect you guys from all the bullshit above. You just take care of me down below. That's all I have. And it's a reciprocal relationship. So, you know, if if you don't feel the, the, the sympathy or empathy for this person, check the kind of relationship you have with them. If it's yeah, clear true. cut, if it's clear cut, these are the rules, this is my expectations, and that person knows that, you may not have to fall back on the empathy and sympathy. It's 100%, man, because, you know, one thing I preach is I'm not here to be a parent. Nope. I can be nope. I can be a mentor if that's what you're you're asking, yeah. but I'm not. There's some people who take that the wrong yeah. way. They're looking to mentor, like they're trying to press it on you. You just know who you want to be your mentor. I, I know that because that's what, how it happened yeah. to me. I wasn't looking for one, and I just kind of was like, yep, P, he's the guy that, that I honestly say I feel comfortable having these conversations with. You, um, my buddy Mike, um, he passed away, but my, my, my old buddy Al, like it just happened. You know, it just, it just truly happened. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that because it, the role that we are now in the military is like, oh, you, you need to be a mentor. You need to be a role model, you know. But everybody that comes in your presence won't get that same no. side of you. No. You know, so one thing that I preach to to, the, to my troops and, and things like that is accountability and responsibility. There you right? go. We know what we're accountable for yeah. and you know what you're responsible yeah. for. So I'm going to hold you to yeah. that. You know, I'm not I'm not your parent. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and jump on you and micromanage you. I'm going to allow you to make choices and actions. And if they don't go the way they're supposed to, um, we're going to talk yeah. about it. You know, but it's not my job to sit here. And there's too many bosses that hold the, the coffee mug and they sit there and they're just watching. And it's almost like the pressure builds so much that they're waiting Wait on you. you they're waiting on it so they can yeah. get you. You know, the old, this is my Air Force boys. I no. ain't never been no. that guy. And I'll never will, you know. So I got another question mm. real quick. How do you deal with attitudes? Honestly, this is the way I deal with <laughs> I understand that no matter what kind of attitude you got, um, based on the rank structure, and I'm not even a rank puller, um, I've gotten to a level where we have to respect yeah. them. Okay? Right. So you don't have to like me. And I say this all the time because there's many people on the flight line that I didn't like. But to get our job done and get it done right and safely, we had to get along. Yeah. So while we're here for these eight hours, whatever, we'll get along. But you ain't got to like me. So attitudes, really, I don't have time for that. I'm not about to sit here and just have a laundry list of paperwork that I got to write every time somebody give me attitude. Honestly, we get paid by the same individual. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get my paycheck. You're going to get your paycheck. So until you jeopardize that. I, don't, I can care less yeah, about that. See, and, you put me in a situation where I might lose a paycheck. <laughs> we go ahead and for problem, me. That's that's right? where but that's where that that, that that ambiguity where you don't share, you don't have that much of yourself out there for that person to feel like it's a personal relationship. It, it's going to remain. You have to make it. You have to keep it a professional relationship. Once those lines are blurred, Absolutely. that's when everything gets fucked up. You got to stay consistent. You got to be honest, whether it's brutal, whether it's ugly honesty, however you want to frame it. You be you. You be genuine. I always try to be as genuine as possible. I wasn't going to sacrifice how I dealt with somebody. I may not have cursed, <laughs> depending on who it was. But um, if, it, if it was an ugly truth, I share that ugly truth. You know, look, this is this is how shit is. This is how it's going to go down. 
you know, I don't give a fuck about your attitude. Guess what? You still got to show your ass up tomorrow. That's you know, true. your attitude yeah. won't change shit. Yeah. You know, so stay no. consistent, stay honest, stay true. Um, that is the biggest thing. You know, you're going to run into attitudes because people are people. We're all different. Um, and we all see things completely different. Um, I wasn't one to to coddle anybody. You know, that, that just wasn't my thing. I couldn't coddle nobody, man, because you're still talking about adults. You know, um, right. I, it's not like I'm teaching a, a, a room full of 14, 15 year olds. You're dealing with 20 somethings and they're starting their lives. If you you make that path too easy, too simple, too soft. They're never going to learn anything. They're never going to grow. I'm not saying be a complete asshole all the time. I'm saying look at every situation right. and act accordingly. Yep. That's all it is. That's true. Uh, and, and try to treat I don't. I don't judge. Yeah. I don't label. Exactly. Um, and so if you have an attitude one day, I'm not going to always label you as the, the attitude. You might just have yeah. a bad day. Shit, I have yeah. an attitude on my face sometimes because I don't want to be yeah. there. Or I realize you know, I just had a bad morning. Shit didn't go right. Or I'm dealing with some shit outside of work or whatever. But everybody gets that 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 just cause day when they're like, look, I'm just not feeling yeah. it today. That's cool. Um, just understand how you're, you know, projecting on everybody yeah. else. And everybody now kind of knows that. So it's like, all right, look, you know, cooler heads. So we'll let them have their moment. And when they're back on it, they'll be back on it. But, yeah, I, I've been in too long to be yeah. dealing with that, that little shit, man. I don't, a consistent, everyday <laughs> I don't attitude, have time for it. there's something deeper. Yeah. If somebody's having a bad day, yo, pull them off to the side, you know, one-on-one. Yo, what's going on? Is there something wrong? Offer to talk. You know, right. And, if they don't want to talk, then yeah, that's what it is. They don't want to talk. They don't want to talk. But um, you just tell them, look. This shit here, whatever it is, you know, I'm trying to help you with it. You don't want me to help with it. That's fine. I'm not going to dig. I'm not going to pry. But I'm not going to let you fuck up the rest of the office for your shit. Right. You know, so yeah. you call them out on it. That's true. Uh, but you, you first make yourself available to help them with whatever problem it is, um, which I learned the hard way. I learned this, shit, man. Mm -hmm. um, I was in California and one of my troops got sent back from a deployment. I had just got back from that deployment not the same one. I just got back from a deployment. I did my six months. Um, she came back from the team that replaced mine, right? And she was one of my troops. She was probably there for a month. And we're sitting in the, outside the shirt's office. My supervisor in the shirt in the office talking. And I, I'm, I'm preparing myself to go in here. I'm, the, I'm the, the young supervisor, right? So I'm preparing myself. I'm like, so um, did you want to go on the deployment? And she's like, yeah. I said, did you want to be a cop? She's like, yeah, I wanted to be a cop. I said, did you take the, the bonus money? And I think a lot of that had to do with me not getting the bonus money when I came in. I was like, she was like, yeah, I took, I did all of that. Yes, I wanted to be a cop, all that stuff. So, all right, my supervisor in the shirt calls us in, door closes. Before the fucking door closes, I'm like, kick her ass out. She took the money, she wanted to perform <laughs> all this shit, right? The shirt looked at me yeah, and he I remember was like, story. Sergeant Parker, get your ass out of my office. And I'm I'm dumbfounded at that point. I'm like, what the fuck? What I do? I'm sitting out in the lobby. She left. Later that night, I got a phone call. She attempted suicide. So really, yeah. the thing that you have to take heed with most is you don't know the full story. You will never know the full story. So you got to look at situations independently. You talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. You can be whoever you are 
you know, out front. Uh, but talk to them one-on-one. Find out what's going on, you know. Ask right. all the right yes. questions. Remove your pride. Remove your ego. Remove what you think you know. And find out what you don't know, you know. So they got an attitude. That's true, man. Pull them one-on-one. Talk to them. Add to continues. Yeah, There's something deeper. We need to address this shit, and then you go from there. Right. Me just being me, you know. They, they throw a whole bunch of Air Force verbiage at us. You know, we learn a whole bunch of stuff in our in our in our PDG in our our professional development, our PD classes, where they try to implement all these strategies for lenses, all this other stuff. Not that I'm ever going to downplay that. It's definitely a part of our community, our culture. But for me, none of that stuff has ever truly been my go-to i understand it um i definitely have my notes that i took but i just understand how i deal with people i've been a people person my entire life sure there's moments where i'm not that approachable but when i'm at work i try my hardest never to show them that side you know i've earned an office now so if i'm having a bad day i close the door you know what i'm saying i play the music i need to listen to and i just kind of zone out but when that door opens back up and i have to go and face them um I know who I need to be. So honestly, um, again, I'm never going to downplay those tools or whatever. Um, but you know, you just know who you are. Sometimes you can be too robotic. You know, there everybody tells you what you need to do, right? Your supervisor, supervisor, supervisor tells you what you need to do. There's books out there to tell you what you need to do. But what is it that you're going to do? Yeah. Like, who are you? Right. Like, how do you handle things? And, and I, I think that's how I've learned um, to really put things in focus. Take notes. Um, be able to quote something if you need to, but ultimately be you. Yeah. you know, every supervisor is different. So I can't, I hope <clears> that no one ever looks at me and be like, he's a supervisor. I strive to be because he's X, Y, and Z. I want them to look at me and be like, he's a supervisor that he chooses to be because he's himself. Yeah. And I understand what that means. It's a big, it's a, you can throw all these words at, at people. They're, they're trans, transactional leaders. <laughs> Uh, they they change they change this and you know throw all these great adjectives and shit at them. But honestly, what makes that person them? Because when they go home, they might not be yeah. that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying it, it could be part of punching that might clock. Be like, yeah, he's much better with you guys than he is at right, home. Right. So I don't ever want my my to have a two sided life. You know, you know how you have the people that stay at work too long. Are they really trying to hide something because they don't really like their home life? Well, like, you know, you know, you know me. I'm on the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, it's time to roll. Uh, speaking of on the door, so let's move into our last one, one, one last, last one, one last oh, thing, on. one, one last bit of, of, of advice <laughs> uh, for for the person that asked the question about that. Um, one thing that that's always worked for me is um, know what's important to people. Really, know what's important to them. Um, know their wives' names, know their kids' names. You know, the work stuff, nobody wants to go to a job. That's reality. Nobody wants to go to a job. Right. I'd never want to. Man, look, if I didn't have to see y'all five days a week, I would not have seen y'all five days a week. Right. Especially not in that. Hell no. But you want to make them feel comfortable. You want to make them feel important to you. You know, especially as, as a leader, especially somebody that's running office. You want to make every one of your subordinates feel like when they walk in that door, they matter to you, not to the Air Force. The Air Force is an entity. They're not a person. It's inanimate. You want to make those yeah. people feel like they matter to you. Yo, That's what's true. going on, man? How's the wife? How's the kids? How's that cold? Yep. Make that shit matter to you. 
even if it doesn't matter to you, make them feel like it matters to you. That's it. That's true. You have to. You have to be. You have to be uh, sometimes beside yourself Definitely. because you never know what you're gonna get hit with. My my first couple days back, I was like, shit. Like I'm getting. I'm back in the in the in the in the thrust yeah. of things because you know being deployed. I was doing my job, but I wasn't in a leadership role. Right. So just understanding, you know, getting back to that taking care of your people thing. That's such a. That's such a. Uh, it could be a loose term, I guess, um, and it could be described so many different ways. But I understand what it means to it's me. It's a lost art. Yeah, I, I, abs- I absolutely understand what that means to me um, because it's, it's knowing that stuff. You know, and I, and I can't honestly say I don't know everybody's wife's name. I don't know everybody's husband's name, but I'm trying to learn it. You know, I start my day every day by having a conversation with them that has nothing to do with yep. work. And I ask them, do they need anything from me? Now, a lot of times I get the, you know, the, the basic answers. No, I'm good, sir, whatever, blah, blah. But ultimately, I think once you establish a certain... T- um, atmosphere or certain environment and they know that it's genuine because you do it's it's repetition it's not that i said it on a monday and then i never said yeah. it again until something bad happened well my door was always open well was that it because you said that six months yeah, it's, ago it's that right? consistency so, man. it is you know so hopefully my my, my people understand that the truth is in that yeah. my door is always open and they can come anytime they they need um so um like i said i think we addressed those pretty well I, this is this is the new part of this yeah. show right and this is what's appreciate cool. the question um, having, man i love it yeah having having live questions and being able to answer them that's that's great um so this that's one part of doing this live thing and i, and I think it's going to change the culture of ceo and the doctor but last season um our usually our last little segment it was really a quick one um, we used to call it good deeds. This this year, I think we should change it. Uh, we agreed. We just call it last but not least because sometimes it's not a deed that we're talking about. Sometimes it's something that's happening in the world that's that's, that's pretty inspiring. It's, it's game changing. Yeah. Um, and tonight, um, our last but not least is is that. Um, now now, P, I sent you this um, a couple days mm-hmm. ago because it was sent to me, um, and and ultimately. You know, I, I haven't dealt with it on a firsthand um, experience. So I know I have friends that have this situation with their children, and that being autism, uh, having an autistic child. Right. Um, so there's a story about a young man. His name is Kalen Bennett. Um, yeah, I saw that. Now, yeah, some, some of his, some of his uh, early stages were, were pretty tough. The kid didn't walk till he was four. He didn't have, you know, he didn't he speak seven, till he was yeah. seven. He wasn't able to really have a conversation until he was like eight. Um, he always struggled um, with with the the idea of communication. Um, but one thing that he was super gifted on, um, he was able to play five instruments relatively young. Um, he was super gifted in math, so he worked his tail off. You know, his family was supportive, so on and so forth. And he's a naturally large kid. Kid is six ten, three hundred pounds with a size twenty. Now, what makes his story remarkable is that. Um, he's actually going to college, D1, Kent State in Ohio, to play basketball. Um, And this is a kid who was, you know, thought to to maybe never, you know, achieve basic life measurements, like we said, being able to communicate or whatever. But, you know, I heard we both listened briefly um to the the video that i sent he was speaking clearly he said he still struggles. He, He he has trouble with words, but it's cool as hell because he he has gotten a scholarship, and I know it's not a scholarship just out of generosity, like no. they want to do something. He, like he can he's actually got play. Skills. Yeah, 
He's yeah. got skills. So what's cool about this story is, you know, we often, when we're not in an environment that we understand the, the true everyday situation that a family goes through, um, we often just kind of chop it up to, oh, the word that it is. Now, that kid's autistic. That kid has cerebral palsy, yeah. whatever. And we really never understand um, what they could be capable right. of, you know. And so for me, I can kind of, you know, go over to my, to my buddy. I won't mention his name, but his kid has cerebral palsy. And the kid's a hell of a football player. You know, he wasn't supposed to, you know, walk correctly. He wasn't supposed to be able to absorb the hits that football brings but the kid is a hell of a football player, yeah. an all-star, um, a young kid that has got a super bright future, smart kid, everything. So these kids are achieving things greater than what society, you know, can say they can do. And I think this is a cool story because this is one, and it's probably happened before, but this is one that's definitely right out in the forefront. Like autistic kid is able to go and play Division One basketball. Yeah. So hopefully he can be a voice to to kids with, you know that disorder and they'll be able to understand look this kid made it maybe i can yeah. make it too so i just found it to be you a know, super super I, cool I actually story saw, man and i wanted to bring it up um the interview that espn did with him and his mom and um he said that his main goal is to uh motivate other autistic kids to to realize their dreams uh like you said he had very he's got very very supportive parents uh, he's got a great support system around him. So, you know, it's it's always easy for us to to label the things that we don't know, things that we're unfamiliar with. And society yeah. over history has labeled kids with cerebral palsy, um, autistic kids as being less than incapable, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, and it, it's great to see that, you know, this young man is is living outside of that. He's dispelling right. those those myths that society's always placed on. Um, you know, kids with th th that are afflicted with these things. I don't want to call them an illness, disease, or whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, uh, it's gotcha. an affliction, and you know, it's not like he asked for it, but he's living beyond that, which is great. It's a great story. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, well, that's that's the show, man. That's, man. that's episode one, season two, live. <laughs> uh, so I, I appreciate all the viewers and. That, that came and they went. I appreciate all the comments. Um, I appreciate the likes. Please, like we always say, spread the word. Give us a, least, a listen, like, and share. Um, go out to the website, www.coandadoctor.com. I'm definitely promoting us today. This is our second t-shirt, so illuminate your interactions. Um, we also have CO and the Doctor hoodies, CO and the Doctor t-shirt as well. Um, but go out there, check us out. Uh, you know, Erica always does a great job of summarizing everything we talked about. So I'm sure this week she'll yeah. do another amazing job. Um, and we're just really excited to be back. Man. So this is a whole different way of wow. being back. Uh, so it's super dope. I think I was more nervous about this <laughs> than, than the first than, time, huh? Than last year. Yeah, for sure. Because it was like everybody's looking at us. Do I got pimples? What's going on? <laughs> uh, but it was after we got into it, it was calming, like yeah. always. You know, we do what we do. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we're still here, still doing this, still striving to be better, still striving to be greater. Um, that's my little piece. And what you got? listeners, um, you make us better. You know, you, you, you make us push um, the, the content that we talk about, uh, the things that we talk about. Um, our interactions with you are vital to what we're trying to do. So please, Facebook Live is going to become a norm. We're going to try to do this every week.
um, so we we can grow our audience and we can get more you know audience feedback real time. So those of you that tuned in and you know you came and went, uh, we definitely appreciate it. So watch our social media platforms for the different times. I will always try to post on our IG page um, a couple of days before uh, the time, the date that we will be Facebook Live. So please tune in. Um, I'll try to set it up where we've got the agenda. So, you know, you guys can plan ahead for your questions and stuff like that. So um, next week, looking forward to the next Facebook Live shoot. So uh, this was uh, this was great, man. This is I was more nervous. Like you said, I was more nervous this time uh, starting out than, right. you know, our, our very first podcast. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. But this one, it was like, OK, we, we got a platform. We got a following. Right. Now we're going live. So somebody could say, yo, you motherfuckers fucking up <laughs> real time. Right. Uh, but right. again, I'm, you know, I'm kidding. Um, those of you who ask the questions, man, we, we really appreciate it. You know, you drive our discussion. So please keep the questions coming. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So until next week, like always, this is Not Your Normal Podcast. And we always say, let conversation influence you. That hasn't changed. So I absolutely ask you, I actually challenge you to go out and have that conversation this week. This is a little bit uncomfortable. Do something different than last week. Always have a good attitude. Be positive. Make somebody's day, whether it's a cup of coffee or a hug or, you know, just somebody to listen. You never know what somebody's needing. So I strive everyone to, to be better than you were yesterday. I always striving to be greater for the next. So next That's week, my this has been CEO and the doctor. That's my quarterback. <laughs> this has been CEO and the doctor. So like always, we out. <laughs>